coming up on The Potter's Touch. And if you want something from God, you can't just sit around and wait on him to come by. You gotta be radical enough to step out of your comfort zone and say, whatever it takes. Do you have any idea how God would move if you would worship him in the middle of trouble? Do you have any idea how God works when you say, though he slay me, yet shall I trust him? I love this message. I'm excited to be able to share it with you because I understand that while it does deal with the crisis and while it does deal with the cure, it also causes one to ponder on the magnitude of a God who is so awesome, so infinite, and so awe-spiring that without any real effort from him, one crumb that falls from the master's table is sufficient to deal with the human crisis. If your faith is wavered and your mind is confused, your heart is perplexed, and you're wondering, how things are going to turn out. This is a timely message for you. It is in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter number 15, verse 21 through 28, and there you will find that what feels like a crisis will only take a crumb. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, a crumb for a crisis. Have you ever had a problem that got so big that you said, I just can't handle this? I can't cover it, I can't hide it, I can't smile over it. This is a crisis. That's what happened to this woman, this Greek woman, whose daughter was grievously vexed with the devil. I don't know what that means. I don't know whether it was an emotional issue or a physical issue, how that evil manifested itself in her daughter's life, but I do know it had gotten so bad that she couldn't keep it in the house. Have you ever had a problem that got out of the house? More importantly, it will push you out of the house. This woman has left her comfort zone and she comes seeking Jesus. She's seeking him because she has heard that he is a deliverer. She went to him. This contradicts how I was taught faith. Let me tell you how I was taught faith. <clears throat> they taught me like this. They said, uh, just wait on the Lord, brother. If the Lord means for you to have it, bless God, he'll give it to you. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So you just sit up somewhere and just wait. And so I would just be sitting. I would just be sitting. I would be sitting. I would just be sitting. Waiting on the Lord. I was waiting on the Lord like you're waiting at a bus stop for the bus to come. Because they told me that what your real faith was proven by how long you could wait and how long you could suffer and how long you could grit your teeth and that sooner or later, it might be right before you take your last breath, the bus would turn the corner and the Lord would see about you. But that's not what I believe today. I know today that faith without works is dead. You're not waiting on God. God.
God is waiting on you. And if you want something from God, you can't just sit around and wait on him to come by. You gotta be radical enough to step out of your comfort zone and say whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'm willing to do what I need to do. This woman was radical. She left home to get it. She left the familiar to get it. She left her ordinary to get it. She left her community to get it. She left her neighborhood to get it. She left the people who spoke her language to get it. She came over cultural barriers, religious barriers, linguistical barriers. She said, I don't care what I got to do or what language I got to speak or what neighborhood I got to go in. This woman traveling down dangerous roads came by herself because she said, I got to have a touch from the Lord. And what is after me is more dangerous than what's around me. And I've been pushed. Have you ever had life push you? I normally wouldn't do this, but life has pushed me. It's backed me in a corner, and she comes up the coast, comes up the coast, traveling just to see Jesus. I don't know how many miles she had to walk just to see Jesus. That's why when I hear people talk about, I would come to your church, but I don't want to have to walk through the parking lot. I think, don't come. You don't want anything. Because when you really want something from the Lord, you will walk wherever you gotta walk, go through whatever you gotta go through, move whatever you gotta move, don't come. When you're really desperate for a touch from God, you will, don't tell me that you'll walk across the parking lot to go see the Cowboys play, and you won't walk across the parking lot to get a touch for your child. You're not in trouble. When you really get in trouble, you will go out of your way. Touch your neighbor and say, you gotta go out of your way. You gotta go out of your way. You gotta go out of your way. If you're gonna get healed, you gotta go out of your way. If you're gonna get a job, you gotta go out of your way. If you're gonna start a business, you gotta go out of your way. If you're gonna get up on your feet, you gotta go out of your way. If you're gonna fix a problem in your marriage, you gotta go out of your way. If you're gonna raise your child, you gotta go out of your way. If you're gonna get a touch from God, you gotta go out of your way. She came all the way up the coast. And she came around the towns and over the hills and down through the ridges and climbed over the rocks and forded across the water to see Jesus. And when she came to Jesus, the loving Jesus, the saving Jesus, the healing Jesus, the delivering Jesus, the dead raising Jesus, the water walking Jesus. When she finally got to Jesus, got in close proximity where he could see her and where he could hear her, she cried unto him respectfully, Jesus, thou son of David. I'm not trying to be important, have mercy on me. 
I'm not saying I deserve it, but have mercy on me. I'm not saying I always live right, but have mercy. Have you ever needed some mercy? Have mercy on me. Well, you see, Jesus, I've, I've been traveling all around the coast here, across the river, out of my country, away from my friends, because it's my daughter, Jesus. It's my daughter. I got a crisis in my house that drove me out of my house. It's my daughter. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil and the loving Jesus, the caring Jesus, the water walking Jesus, the miracle performing Jesus. This is what he said. He answered her, not a word. Jesus didn't smile or anything. He answered her, not a word. What do you do when you're having a crisis? And God says, not a word. What do you do when you're running out of time and God says, not a word? What do you do when the cutoff notice is on the fifth and you're down to the fourth and God says, not a word? What do you do when you didn't get what you thought you were gonna get and you prayed about it and you listened and you waited and you watched and God said, not a word. That's what I need you to teach, preacher. I don't need you to teach me how to react when God answers. I don't need you to tell me what to do when the miracle happens. I know what to do when the miracle happens. <laughs> Glory to God. What I'm trying to figure out is, how do you survive when nothing happens at all? I want to talk a moment about surviving silence. I don't think I need to teach you what to do when the walls come tumbling down. When the two fish and five loaves of bread turns to a smorgasbord. Faith is proven in silence. In normal days, in periods when you feel like God is ignoring me. How could you be a loving God and see my crisis and answer me not a word? I was respectful. I call you by your messianic name, son of David. I was humble, have mercy on me. I was truthful. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. I was open, I exposed my secret. And once I was vulnerable, you said, not a word. But it did not stop this woman. Let me tell you something. If silence will stop you, you don't deserve success. If rejection will make you give up on your dream, you have not earned the right to have it. There is not one winner in here that hadn't been rejected at least 10 times before they got one thing to open up in their life. Can I get anybody that will bear witness that the boy is telling the truth? 
I have a very unique role in life. Very few pastors have one foot in the leadership of the church and their other foot in the leadership of entrepreneurship, businesses, and government officials. I want to bring both feet into our International Pastors and Leadership Conference and help you and your staff to develop your vision. Whether you are in business or whether you are in faith, I've got a foot on it and I've got something to share with you that will make you better. She kept on coming. She kept on coming. She said, maybe, maybe you didn't hear me. Lord, help me. Do something for me. Fix this for me. And then she got down and she started worshiping him. She started worshiping. Now, this is the art of real worship. Anybody can worship when things are going well. But you have to be a real believer to have all hell breaking loose in your life. And you still clap your hands. And you still raise your hands. And you still say God is good. And you still say, though he slay me, yet shall I trust him. You have to be a real worshiper to clap your hands and your child is sick. You have to be a real worshiper to praise your God and all hell is breaking loose. You have to be a real worshiper to lift him up and you lost your job and you're two payments behind on your car payment, but you still got your hands up and say you're still able and you're still worthy to be praised. Do not know hell gets nervous when you praise God anyhow. Demons tremble when you praise God anyhow. Do you have any idea what God would do with your crisis right now, if you would worship him in spite of the crisis? Do you have any idea how God would move if you would worship him in the middle of trouble? Do you have any idea how God works when you say, though he slay me, yet shall I trust him? Jan, I was watching TV the other day, him. I was watching one of those murder movies and, and they were negotiating with a hostile takeover terrorist who was holding some hostages in a bank. And the negotiator, I thought he was trying to talk the man out of the building, but he really wasn't trying to talk him out of the building. He was just trying to stall him long enough <laughs> to get a breakthrough. This woman started praising God. It was a negotiation technique because she knew if anything would stop Jesus, it would be a praise. A complaint won't do it. Feeling sorry for yourself won't do it. But if you want to stop God in his tracks, I 
double dare you. And you could tell, when you read the text, you can tell that, that if God had a weak spot, praise would be it. Because it's almost like he's arguing with himself now. He says, well, you know, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, stop. Don't make me bless you. <laughs> you, you, you're not on my schedule. You don't have an appointment. I don't have time to go over there and deal with you. Stop. If you don't stop praising me, I'm gonna have to turn around and do something for you. I don't know who I'm preaching to. But if you don't stop praising God. So he says, and then he says, see, Jesus knows that his first responsibility was to come to his own. And she was not one of his. And he said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she kept doing that thing. She didn't, she didn't ask him for nothing. She just kept worshiping him. She didn't argue with him. She just kept worshiping him. And then it, it's like, like he's wrestling with himself. He said, it's not meat. It's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. He says, I, I fixed this bread for my children and you came to see me about your child. You want me to take the bread that I was gonna give? Notation, healing is the children's bread. He says, this is right out of the oven. This is, this is hot bread, I'm getting ready to serve my kids and you want me to give my kids food to your kids' crisis? And, 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 and that should have ended it. But this crazy woman, I wish I had some crazy women this morning. See, in the world, being cute counts. But in the kingdom, being cute don't mean anything. You don't need to be cute, you need to be crazy. This woman said, I don't care what you say, I don't care how you look at me, I don't care what name you call me. She said, yeah, I'm a dog. Anybody else you call them a dog, they are out of that church. She said, yeah. Truth, Lord. I am a dog. She said, but even the dogs. <laughs> I, I love it. 
She wasn't, she wasn't trying to do like people do today. They, they try to be important. They try to come, do you know who I know? Do you know who my father is? She didn't say no. She said, yeah, I'm a dog. But even the dogs can eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. In other words, she's talking about a custom that Jesus was well aware of. That in the Bible days, the master's dogs would get up under the table at dinner time. Some of them would sit in their laps, they were called lap dogs. And they would be in position. <laughs> they be just wagging the tail, they just be in position. I know you didn't fix this food for me. I know you didn't have me in mind when you were breaking this bread but I'm gonna put myself in a position that any way you bless me, Lord, I will be satisfied. Don't y'all pull on me this morning because I, I feel something pushing me this morning. I feel something pushing me this morning. You have to put yourself in a position to be blessed. She said, I'll tell you what, I don't see no name tag on the dinner table for me, and maybe I'm not supposed to be here, and maybe you didn't have me in mind when you was cooking up your blessing, but I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna hang around here until something falls my way. I'm just gonna get close enough that if something drops, I got it. <laughs> See, if you're a baker, you can appreciate this. Once you bake the cake, if you take a crumb from the cake and took it to the laboratory, a scientist could give you the recipe from the crumb. If you got sugar in the cake, you got sugar in the crumbs, y'all are here. Whatever is in the bread is in the crumb. All I need, all I need Listen, friends, you can live with a problem, but a crisis requires a resolution. A crisis is a kind of life-changing problem that cannot be ignored. Although a crisis is huge and sometimes overwhelming, it only takes one word, one touch, or even just a crumb from the table of the master to deliver you. Be ready, be willing, be able, be on guard, be available. Step out of your comfort zone like the woman in our story and give God a sacrifice, a praise, faith, of tenacity, I am so thankful for many of you that have joined in with me to make it possible that when somebody desperately needs help,
we are there, as humble as it is, dropping crumbs of truth, nuggets of wisdom, whether through social media, through television, through books, through various material, thank you for helping me to make it possible that somebody can have something to hold on to when all hell is breaking loose in their life. I'm talking to the global partner system that we put in place because so many people want to be a part of what we're doing and everybody can't go around the world and speak or everybody can't go around the world and write books or do other things or build wells or build hospitals like we do or, or work to the transformation of 10,000 images. Everybody can't do that, but everybody can help us do it. God has made you his answer to people in crisis. Every time you give, your little bit in your hand might not be much, but when we get in and get through praying over it, negotiating and stretching it, you'd be surprised how much we can get done with your sacrifice. God gets the praise because you are an answer to someone's prayer. If you haven't become a GPS partner yet, I want to encourage you to join in today. There are benefits to being a partner. Just visit tdjpartners.org where we are one global family touching the world, the world. Black, white, red, brown, the world with God's love. Our goal and purpose in life under Christ is to love and to help one another. And that's the mission of GPS. Together, we can touch lives, helping the hurting, encouraging the hopeless, feeding the hungry, and so much more. Visit tdjpartners.org and find out how you can help impact the lives of generations to come. We are all one global family, touching the world with God's love. It is not about how well you fight. It is about what you are fighting for. When battling for your future, remember, Jesus has already won. For your gift of any size, you will receive The Battle Is Not Yours on CD. You don't wait for things to get better. You got to go ahead and do the work while you are getting Hit in the face. It's a fight every day. When your gift is $70 or more, you will receive our three-message series. He's already won on DVD and series audio on a USB drive. Anybody can praise him when everything's going right, but you have to be a soldier to praise him when all hell is breaking loose. However, when your gift is $140 or more, you will receive He's Already Won, three-message DVD series, audio USB drive, Bishop Jake's best-selling book, Instinct, a miracle journal, and miracles still happen, greeting cards. Whatever your challenge is, you have to believe. Your victory awaits because He's Already Won. events and seminars and what's available here, you can literally take a family vacation the entire week here. We've done Super Bowls and Final Fours, but to have an event that talks to the soul, that talks to the families, that talks to the way that we live is something special. I came here for a breakthrough and I have received my breakthrough. And I think there was a, there was a supernatural encounter. I love the Lord and I love Megafest.
Feel free to reach out to us on social media and share your story of how God is impacting your life. We look forward to seeing you next time on The Potter's Touch.